Ah, that long shot. Something beyond the seven to ten yards everyone practices at. Could you make it if you had to? Today we're going to discuss training for that improbable, but not impossible, need to defend yourself or others at distance. Hey, Scallywags, welcome to another episode of our podcast, A Pirate Talks Guns. I'm your host, John Sello. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Let me take this opportunity to thank you all for listening and making this podcast a success. Without you listeners, it's just me blathering into the ether. I truly appreciate all of you. Now let me set the stage for today's discussion. If you haven't lived under a rock, you've heard about the active shooter event that took place at the Greenwood Park Mall in Greenwood, Indiana on Sunday, July 17, 2022. At approximately 6 o'clock p.m., a 20-year-old individual, who we're not going to name because I refuse to give the little douchebag any kind of recognition, opened fire on mall goers in the food court firing 24 rounds from an AR-style rifle. This coward killed three innocent people and injured two others. Try to imagine what a nightmare scenario this is. Unarmed, frightened people who came to the mall with absolutely no expectation that they'd be exposed to incredible violence. It was a baited field for the gunman. Now enter 22-year-old Elijah Dickin a concealed carrier with no formal civilian or military training. Elisha realized what was taking place, moved his girlfriend to safety, drew his concealed Glock 9mm pistol, and from a distance of approximately 40 yards, placed 8 of 10 shots on the gunman, ending his murderous spree. There's no telling how many countless lives were saved by his actions that day. Everyone who walked out of that food court alive owe their very lives to him. While many have given the mad props to Elijah for marksmanship that he so richly deserves, little mention is made of his situational awareness, decision-making abilities, and calmness under fire that he really needs to be recognized for. This young man is a thoroughly impressive hero. So on to today's topic. Too many concealed carry permit holders don't practice at all. They take the class, manage to get through the qualifier, and call it good. Now, some do practice. They shoot at three or seven yards, never moving, taking all the time in the world to get that perfect sight picture, shoot a 10-inch group, and consider themselves ready. And this actually gives them a leg up on the don't practice group. Then there are those who train. The Greek philosopher Heraclitus said, Out of every 100 men, 10 shouldn't even be there. 80 are just targets. 9 are the real fighters, and we are lucky to have them, for they make the battle. Ah, but the one. One is a warrior, and he will bring the others back. These warriors are the modern-day people who train. Now, what's the difference between training and practice? Training is learning how to improve something or do something new. Practice is applying what you learned. 
you train to learn a new skill or learn how to improve an existing one. You practice what you have learned to hone that skill. Now, how much should you practice a skill? They say amateurs practice till they get it right. Professionals practice till they can't get it wrong. In other words, professionals practice a task until it becomes muscle memory. The pros have to make a conscious effort to perform it incorrectly. Military units and SWAT teams, professionals, given the right amount of target intelligence and time, will construct glass houses, a two-scale representation of the building they are going to operate in laid out on the ground with engineering tape. Rooms, hallways, doors, and windows are clearly delineated. The unit will conduct building entry and room clearing drills over and over until the flow is as smooth as possible and communications between the team members is cut to the very bare minimum. Once the pattern is established, they will run the drill continuously until time to execute the mission. Concealed carry permit holders can approximate the same attention to detail. They may establish a course of fire to take them out of their comfort zone and introduce variables never before encountered. Shooting while moving, use of cover, or shooting at moving targets are a few of the things they may add to their training routine. As a concealed weapons permit holder, anything you may encounter in a real-world scenario is something you should train for. Remember, improbable, but not impossible. The middle of a gunfight is not the time to learn new things. While we're quoting ancient Greeks, let me throw another one at you. In 650 BC, the Greek poet and soldier Archilochus said, We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. In a gunfight, you don't want to have to spend too much time thinking. Once the intellectual decision to use deadly force is made, you want the rest to be muscle memory. Concealed carry permit holders who train set up a range as a real-world situation and through trial and error determine the best way to problem-solve until the threat is neutralized. They understand that the established average for a gunfight is something that takes place between three and seven yards and involves three shots. They also know that with a roughly 1 in 315 chance that they will be involved in a gunfight, if they're engaged in one, they are already behind the statistical power curve. Knowing this, they train appropriately. Those who train understand that they may need to make shots beyond that 3 to 7 yard distance. If you think you'll never be faced with having to make a long distance shot, consider your daily routine and where it takes you. Next time you're in a store, look at the distance between the first and last cash register. Or how about down one of the merchandise aisles? If you're a member of a church safety team, how far is it from the back of the sanctuary to the pulpit? What about having to engage someone in a parking lot? These are far beyond the three to seven yard distances. So you have to train to make those long shots. Now, how do you train to make that improbable but not impossible need to defend yourself or others shot at distance? Well, you start close and move back. If you're training yourself or you're an instructor training students, it's counterproductive to start at a distance where effective hits aren't registering. 
This only causes frustration and demoralization. Start close, concentrating on effective shot placement. When you move back, do so in five-yard increments. Don't move back until all your shots from that distance are effective. Now, what exactly are effective shots? These are shots that have the best chance of rendering your opponent incapable of causing further harm. They have to strike the vital areas to incapacitate your opponent as quickly as possible. What's the best way to show if these shots were effective? The targets I use for this are TQ-19 targets with vital anatomy available from Action Target. I put a link to them in the show notes. These targets represent a rough representation of a head and torso to the shooter from the three-yard line and out. Up close, you can see that they have a representation of the vital organs on them. With these targets, you can quickly see what shots would have impacted the heart, spine, and brain. Now, there are other targets available for vital anatomy represented on them. I use the TQ-19s because all of the anatomy targets I've used, the anatomy on them isn't as obvious beyond three yards. Your real-life opponent isn't going to have their vital areas highlighted, and you have to train the same way you fight. So you don't want to practice looking for anatomy you won't see. Now I supplement these targets with 3x5 index cards. I place one vertically over the heart-spine area and one horizontally over the brainstem-spine area. And my use of these is twofold. One is to show exactly how small the area is to get critical hits, and the other is to reinforce the aim-small-miss-small theory. It's been my experience that if you give your shooter a target, they shoot at the target, not necessarily selecting a specific spot. By using the index card, you're giving them a definite point of aim. Once you or your student have achieved consistent shot placement on the index card, move back in the five-yard increments. As you move back, you may have a shot or two stray off the index card, and that's okay. Reinforce that at different ranges, your point of aim, point of impact may change due to the increases in range. Ensure that you're correcting for this as the range increases. And also understand that a 3x5 target beyond 15 to 20 yards is going to be beyond the ability of the average shooter to hit consistently. Effective hits beyond 25 to 30 yards may not be possible at the first training session. Stop when less than 50% of the hits are effective. We'll continue after this quick break. Hey Anderson area, are you a realtor wanting to showcase your properties with video? Having a wedding or other special event you need photos of? Need a voiceover for commercials or your office phone system? If you're in the Anderson area, look no further than the Lock Lore Production Group. This full-service audio and video production company has the tools and experience that will give you the product you need. Be it still photography, video, or drone photography or video, you'll be amazed at the results they provide. Again, that's the Lock Lore Production Group. Contact details are in the show notes. Give them a call today at 864-245-1956.
You also have to understand that the smaller the gun with the short sight radius, the more difficult it is to shoot accurately at longer distances. This is not to say it can't be done. Rather, it's going to take more training and practice. Sight radius is the distance from the rear of the front sight to the rear of the rear sight. The longer the sight radius, the more accurate you will be. The explanation for this is the sight deflection is minimized with a longer sight radius. Why is this? Well, say you have two protractors, one that's got a 4-inch diameter and the other has an 8-inch diameter. On the smaller one, the degree markings are bunched, and perhaps each mark counts as 2 degrees versus the larger 8-inch, with perhaps marking every half degree far more precise. The same accounts for longer sighting radius and the ability to dampen out the movements and lessen the deflection. It doesn't take much sight misalignment to throw off your point of aim, point of impact. A mere half a millimeter on a 3-inch sight radius pistol produces a sighting error of almost 3 inches at 25 yards and increases exponentially with distance. So keep your expectations realistically in line with your gear and shooting abilities. Pistols are inherently short-range weapons. The Marine Corps, the most marksmanship-centric of all our armed forces, in their M9 pistol lesson, state that the maximum effective range is 50 meters, or roughly 54 yards. I know for a fact that the M9 is capable of producing hits on man-sized targets out to 100 yards if the shooter does their part. But for all practical purposes, beyond 50 yards, you want some kind of carbine or rifle. Unfortunately, you can't carry those concealed, so a pistol is going to have to be what you use. It's a dance with who you brung, folks, so you need to train for a long-range engagement with your pistol. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you learned something from it. As always, if there's someone you know who might like to listen to these, please let them know about us. We're available on all the major podcast directories and apps. If there's a particular subject you'd like to hear, leave a comment or send me an email. I want to deliver the information you want or need to make you better shooters. My contact information is in the show notes. And while you're in the show notes, be sure to visit our website and Facebook page. Until next time, shoot safe and we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks.